1: Welcome back to the Exxon, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell, and at this time I'd like to welcome our affiliates who are joining us here now on the Talk Star Radio Network. Our toll-free number is one 877 528 That's toll-free throughout the U.S., Canada, Alaska, and Hawaii. And on MSN Messenger, you can contact me here in our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, at Radio at hotmail.com. And our website's www.exxonradio.com and www.xzonestore.com. For all the latest news in the world of the paranormal to the science of parapsychology and everything in between, visit the X-Zone Newsroom at www.xzonenews.com. Before I get to our next guest, Mr. Ed Kraft, I'd like to uh, talk about uh, an article that we received over the weekend that is that has been bothering me since I received it, and we're going to be doing a two-hour Showing it tomorrow night, Uh, one of my guests tomorrow night will be Brian David Anderson. And it's uh, Canadian ISP's Plan to Net Censorship, and it's by Mike Finch. A net neutrality uh, activist group has uncovered plans for the demise of the free Internet by 2010 in Canada. By 2012, the group says the trend will be worldwide. Bell Canada and TELUS, Canada's two largest Internet service providers, will begin charging per-site fees on most Internet sites, reports uh, say, within TELUS. It's beyond censorship. It is killing the biggest ecosystem of free expression and freedom of speech that has ever existed, iPower spokesman for Reese Lason said. iPower was the first group to report on the possible changes. Bell Canada has not returned calls or emails to this point. The plans made by the large telecom businesses would change the Internet into a cable-like system where customers sign up for specific websites and must pay to see each individual site beyond a certain point. Subscription browsing would be limited, extra fees would be applied to access out-of-network sites, and many sites would be blocked altogether. Uh, this is a quote we have had inside sources from bigger companies who gave us the information on how exclusively deals are being made at this very minute between ISPs and big content providers like TV production studios and major video game publishers to decide which sites will be in the standard package offered to their customers, leaving all the rest of the Internet unreachable unless you pay extra subscription fees per every non-standard site you visit. This, according to this report, will be done in the year 2010. Isn't it funny when 2010 is also the year that the North American Union is supposed to go into effect? Coincidence? We're going to find out tomorrow night here on the X Zone when one of my guests is going to be Brian David Anderson as we talk about this, the Canadian ISPs planning to charge for Internet services. My guest this hour is Ed Kraft. He served in the United States Army with a secret clearance as volunteer soldier with the headquarters, uh, with the headquarters United Nations Joint Security Force, at the Joint Security Area Camp Kitty Hawk on the 38th Parallel between Panmunjom, Korea. Um, headquarters Eighth Army Engineering Battalion, Second Division, Korea. The Headquarters and the Headquarters Battalion, Fort Devens, Maryland. The Headquarters, 7th Special Forces Medical Support Battalion, Fort Devens in, Mary- in Maryland again. And he was awarded the Army's Overseas Ribbon uh, Service Ribbon and the Army Achievement Medal for his service. It had, had his uh, first unusual encounter with a hairy creature as a young boy. Uh, in South Florida, which he wa- which was featured in a book in- called Encounters with the Strange and Unexplained by internationally renowned Rolling Stones photographer Matt Hoyle. Since his initial encounter with the unknown, he has investigated strange, unexplained lights in the night skies and researched government cover-ups of the UFO phenomenon. He has also investigated ghostly occurrences in homes and businesses and has stood on the Pyramid of the Sun at the ruins of Teotihuacan in Mexico. It has searched for the swamp ape in the wilds of Florida swamps and explored many more phenomena of unexplained nature. When I come back in two minutes, Ed Kraft and I will be discussing the world of the paranormal here on the X-Zone. Toll free throughout the U.S., Canada, Alaska, and Hawaii, 1-877-528-8255. That is toll free throughout the U.S., Canada, Alaska, and Hawaii at one 528 8255. My name is Rob McConnell and this is the x live and around the world from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, right here on TalkStar. Ed Kraft is my special guest this hour. Ed, welcome to the X Zone. Thanks
4: a lot, uh, Rob. How are you tonight?
1: I'm doing great. Thanks, Ed. Uh, question for you: How is it that you decided to author a book on UFOs after so many years of researching them? Why now?
4: Well, let me let me take a step back here, if I could, for just sure. a moment, Rob. Uh, it's not uh, Maryland that uh, Fort Devons is in. It's actually Ma- Massachusetts.
1: I'm sorry about that.
4: <laughs> let me let me. I'm going to correct that because I don't need anybody writing me about that. Yeah. Massachusetts. It's in Massachusetts. MA is Massachusetts, not Maryland. Uh, But, uh, well, it it, uh, came about because uh, I think the timing is right on it. Uh, You know, people have asked the question, are we alone in the universe, for for millions and millions and millions of years. And uh, I think the attitudes and perspectives on uh, that question have have really changed uh, in this day and age. Uh, People are more prepared, I think, more open minded to the possibilities and potentials. Uh, in my upcoming book, I've asked, uh, I actually present a, a classic example. Uh, a young gentleman uh, sent me a, uh, through, but through an email, and I have permission to actually use his name, it's uh, Ryan Hogue, mm-hmm. sent me a uh, nice little uh, class report that he did in a public school system, uh, I think it was about uh, two years ago. And he uh, got an A on this, this report, and it was on extraterrestrials and a public school system. Now, that's something that I know in my day and age, when I was in, in 13 years old, if I'd have turned in a school report on extraterrestrials, my teacher would have thrown it in the trash can, said, take this away, you give me a report on a real subject, don't ever turn something like this in again, or, or just give me a flat ed app on it, mm-hmm. much less taking it seriously. So is, I use it in the book as an example of how times are changing and how open-minded people are becoming because this, this young gentleman was so creative that he took the time to actually research the subject and turn it in, and the teacher took it so seriously that a public school teacher actually gave him a legitimate grade for that type of research in the public school system. And that's something we don't see today.
1: No, oh, times are really changing.
4: Yes, I mean, so now is what better time to write a book on UFOs than now because we're seeing such a, a, a you know, changing of the guard, so mm-hmm. to speak. And this is the next generation that's coming up. If we are going to see uh, disclosure come about on the subject matter, then it's going to be that generation that's going to uh, force our governments to, to bring about that change.
1: How come this generation hasn't been able to do it?
4: I think because uh, this is the generation that's kind of caught in the middle. We're caught in the crosshairs. We're in between the old generation, who was the the 50s generation, the believe in your government faithfully generation, and we're sort of that uh, this children of Vietnam, the, this, the complete distrusting generation, the hippie generation.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: So we're kind of in that in that crossfire generation, right smack dab in the middle somewhere. Whereas our children are going to be the ones who are going to be able to, to kind of get out from underneath all of that blanket. And come forward and say, look, okay, we forgive everything, let's get on with our lives, tell us the truth, and, and let, let's move past all the garbage now.
1: Well, what happens if the government said, listen, guys, we've been telling you this for years and years and years, there are no UFOs. We are not being visited. There's no conspiracy. This is the truth.
4: Well, unfortunately, uh, and this this is where the Catch-22 does come in, and there is a Catch-22 here, Um until I don't think they're going to eventually, they'll eventually be able to do that, but only after all the players who are involved, say, like in the Roswell era, have died off. And the only reason I say that is because for 60 years they have been lying to us. At least 60 years that we know about, they have been lying to us, and they've been telling lies to cover up those lies. So anyone who runs for any elected office that has been tied into that, those lies at mm-hmm. one point or another is not going to be able to run for an elected office. Why not? Because if he comes forward now and says, hey, I was involved in this, and yes, we lied about it, no one's going to vote for him. But
1: well, what happens if he comes forward and he it's, says... Oh, so you mean if somebody
4: who's been Political sick- suicide, right. He says, okay, yeah, I was involved with this thing, but I'm telling you the truth now. Mm-hmm. You know, it's still political suicide. So until everybody has died off that was ever involved in that, one way or the other, there's you know, it's political suicide for anyone to ever confess to having anything to do with it,
1: period. All right, something I've, I've never understood about the Roswell um, crash. Maybe you can help me understand this. Why did Jesse Marcel, the intelligence officer who went out to Brazel's farm or ranch, stop at his house with key evidence... Instead of going right back to the base.
4: Well, I suppose I asked uh, Jesse Jr. that question. Um, I sat down and talked with Jesse Marcel Jr. and asked him that question. And one of the reasons was was the hour and the hour of the night. He was on his way. He was on his way home that evening because of the uh, they had actually stayed over uh, late that evening. He was on his way back to the base with it. He had some. It was just a small amount. He was just going to take it back to the base with him in the morning. It wasn't. It wasn't a huge amount. It was a small box full. Um, it wasn't like he had these, you know, a huge car load. It was just a very small amount, and he was just going to haul it back to the base with him in the morning.
1: But That's you know, fine. you know, I looked at it in a totally different light. If what would happen if a police officer, who was at a crime scene, decided, well, I'm not going to take it back to the station tonight. I'm going to stop off at home, and I'll show my kids and my wife the evidence that I found at the crime scene. And then the next day, takes it to the station. That doesn't make sense, and yet you've got the guy in charge of intelligence for the base who decides to go home, wake up his wife and kid, and show them the stuff that he found that's supposed to be a UFO. Does that make sense to you?
4: Well, it does, in a way, because the crime scene is a different story. You're talking Why? about a murder. No, I, no, 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 Something from out of this, this world. All right, That's so. That's an entirely different
1: subject. But doesn't right? he. I mean, if, if you have
4: to show your kid a piece of a flying saucer versus, you know, a murder weapon. Oh, which wait What are you going to bring home? Well, mean, I'll, I'll tell you something. Being a responsible person.
1: A piece of the flying saucer. No, I won't. Because being a responsible person. I would That's say.
4: Assuming you're a responsible person, nobody said Jesse was responsible.
1: <laughs> well, then, what the hell was he doing as an officer, as an intelligence officer? Then, who in the name of God put a guy like that in charge?
4: You, you, hey, how many, how many people? You know, what does it take to, to, to be an officer in the military these days?
1: Brains, I hope.
4: You hope, but that doesn't necessarily, you know, is it, not always the case. All it requires is a, is a little bit of testing. You know, we have people who uh get in the military all the time, they get into these high positions and they end up, you know, going to jail or they end up committing crimes, just like any other uh occupation that's out there.
1: All right, but what does this do for the credibility of the case after you've just painted Jesse Marcel as a loose cannon?
4: I'm not pay- I'm not painting him as a loose cannon, Wait a second. I'm saying Wait the a second. potential's there. The potential's always there, and you have to you have to consider that. There there are both sides of this picture here. I don't think in the, in, in his case that I think that his case does hold validity because of his background. He is a very credible witness.
2: The oh, man no, hold it, on. Uh,
4: turns out. If you look at his case history, he was out. Uh, he was very much aware of what weather balloons look like. The man turns around. He does go home with this stuff. Like I said, it was on his way to the base. The man right. stops in. He goes to show his wife and kids this. He's just seen this flying saucer. The man is in shock.
1: Wait a sec, wait a sec, sec. hold on here, hold on here, hold on here, hold on here, hold on here. (laughs) Time out. How do you know he saw a flying saucer? And where has this ever been stated that he saw a flying saucer before?
4: He saw some materials that he'd never
1: seen before. That doesn't mean it was from a flying saucer, does it?
4: He knows he he saw something that he had never seen on this earth Ah. before.
1: Okay, he had never seen. That doesn't mean it didn't come from this planet. It's just that he I'll had never
4: you that. seen. It. Now, now in my book, I described this could be our technique. This could be something uh, that he was not aware of that did come right. from this planet. Now, I will give you that. I'm not. I never state that it wasn't ex- that it was extraterrestrial in nature.
1: Okay. So the flying saucer parts that he saw could have very well come from this planet, I and it was of I a material. Well it was material or substance that he was not aware of. Correct. Okay.
4: Now I, I will give you that. I do state that in my book. I'm not, i not, uh, never gone there with that.
1: Okay, tell me something. At why no is why is it, why is it that, that the story died so fast, and it was only after Stanton Friedman wrote the book that the story was revived?
4: Run that by me again.
1: Why was the why was it that the original story of this alleged cr- uh, crash died very fast, and it stayed dead for years until Stanton Friedman wrote his book? and then the interest was revived again
4: Why, i think it probably had a lot to do with the fact that uh, the government did its job the way it was supposed to they were they're very good at covering up they they went in at a time when people were loyal americans uncle sam said look you need to be quiet and you know be a loyal american not a not a communist and do you know keep your mouth shut and that's exactly what they did
1: but that's a theory isn't it,
4: it well it's all a theory For crying out loud, that's all of it is. It's all theory. If we could prove it, we'd have the facts and we wouldn't be asking the questions.
1: Mind you, It's all hypothesis. That's right. That's right. So the entire thing when it comes to Roswell, including the MJ-12 documents, which apparently have been debunked several times over, uh, and once again, who received the MJ-12 documents? Was it Stanton Friedman?
4: Dave Friedman actually did. Now I have a I have some difficulty with with the uh, MJ12 documents to some extent. Mm-hmm. I think some of the older documents there's some validity to some of them to some extent. But I think that I I have to give credit where credit's due. I think that the 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 particularly these last ones that are coming out are total bunk. Yep. I haven't seen any supporting documents to say that the, these are real.
1: I just find it ironic. There's nothing,
4: there's nothing to find. There's nothing in any archive that I can find to support or substantiate some of the latter documents. And they keep coming forward. That's, that's the thing that, I, that, that amazes me.
2: Mm-hmm. I know, stu- where, where, stu- are these,
4: where are these supporting documents and date books and things to show some, some support for them? They just don't
1: exist. I still find it ironic that, once again, it was Stanton Friedman. Who received the MJ-12 documents and no one else. We'll I be back on the other side. We'll be back on the other media side media of this commercial break as the Exxon continues on the Talk Star Radio Network. 1-877-528-8255 is toll free. And my name is Rob McConnell and our special guest is Ed Kraft. If you'd like to give us a call, one eight seven seven five two eight eight two five five. 528 8255 Now that's toll free throughout the U.S., Canada, Alaska, and Hawaii at one eight seven seven five two eight 528 8255. Tomorrow night, we have Brian David Anderson amongst our other guests. Uh, Brian and I are going to be discussing the plans to turn the Internet into a pay system, just like pay-per-view cable. What do you think, Exxon Nation? Is this uh, more hype? Is it real? Or is it something to do with the year 2010? and uh, 2010, you know, the beginning of the North American Union. Hmm, Coincidence? We'll find out tomorrow night right here live and around the world on the Talkstar Radio Network.
0: Are you looking for a way to restore the love and security you once experienced in your marriage? Then call 877-544-4252 and America's number one marriage expert, Dr. Willard Harley, will send you his 12-CD marriage building course, a $390 value, yours free to try for 30 days, just pay shipping and handling. Your companion will fall passionately back in love or return the course and owe nothing. To order, call 877-544-4252. 877-544-4252 Call now. Is your marriage in trouble? Now, I don't want you to stay in a bad relationship. What I want to show you is how to make your marriage the best marriage on earth. How to get your needs met and how to meet your spouse's needs. It doesn't matter if there's infidelity or even if you're on the verge of divorce or recently divorced. Simply call this number 877-544-4252 and we'll send you Dr. Harley's 12 CD marriage building course, a $390 value for a free 30 day trial. That number again is 877 544 4252. Amethyst works
1: with your guides, angels, and spirit animals to assist you in catalyzing your inner healer, clearing your psychic and spiritual debris, integrating your lost soul parts, illuminating your journey, energizing your spirit, opening your psychic senses, exercising your multidimensional gifts, activating your purpose, empowering your soul, validating your experiences. Navigating life's transitions, guiding your process, awakening your spiritual essence, balancing your energies, tapping into the creative flow, realizing your dreams, visioning your destiny, dreaming your world into being, being who you really are. Amethyst is an Exon iPod partner and can be visited online at www.answersfromyourangels.com or from your Exon iPod by touching the Angels widget. On the main screen, Amethyst w
2: change with the times. And lately all I've been seeing are people throwing Can anybody ever stay together anymore? And if love never lasts forever, tell me what's
1: forever for? Welcome back to the Exxon, everyone. This portion of the Exxon is being brought to you by Amira Soul Mystic, Master Clairvoyant Healer and Spiritual Teacher, creating life-changing results. You can contact Amira by calling one 800 659-6796 or by visiting her online at www.soulmystic.com and by discovering the interlife, new from the author of Return, Dr. Georgina Cannon, a powerful book about your life between lives. For more information on discovering the, li- the interlife, visit www.lifebetweenlivescanada.com. That's www.lifebetweenlivescanada.com. Our special guest this hour is Ed Kraft, and uh, Ed, what one of our listeners would like me to ask you to explain what the MJ12 documents are?
4: Okay, well, um, the MJ12 documents are. Look, let's go back and, and kind of answer your, okay. finish answering your question there, because it kind of ties into what you we were just asking. Uh, the MJ12 documents uh, are a group of documents that were originally. Uh, turned over or mysteriously turned over supposedly to a filmmaker by the name of jamie Shandera, and he claimed that in december of 1984 that there were uh a couple of two rolls of undeveloped. he received two rolls of un- undeveloped 35 millimeter film in the mail and that all of these uh, two rolls of film were a bunch of uh documents or uh, uh, uh microfiche type documents mm-hmm. that, that supposedly talked about a secret group of uh, 12 government officials that uh, had knowledge of different uh, UFO crashes and uh, top-secret UFO events. And they answered only to the uh, president himself, which was uh, Dwight D. Eisenhower at the time, president-elect Dwight D. Eisenhower, who had established this this group. And... uh, what he had done, uh, what Jamie Shandera did once he received these documents is that, uh, he went to two individuals who were currently working on researching the, of course, Roswell case, which we were just discussing. Mm-hmm. And that was, uh, Stanton Friedman, researcher Stanton Friedman, and I believe it was also, uh, Moore. Uh, what, I'm trying to think of, Rod, uh, Roger Moore's last name, I believe? I can't think of his last name off the top of my head. And I don't have my notes in front of me, but uh, Stan Breedman uh, was one of the uh, research, one of the two researchers that uh, Shandera took, uh, Jamie Shandera took his uh, this film to to uh, try to find out whether or not these documents were real. And they, they have several names for him: Majestic 12, mj 12, uh, Magcom... You name it; they're known by multiple names, but essentially, it's a huge group of documents. Originally, it was a small handful of documents on this, uh, this, these two rolls of film, and now it's it's turned out to be like literally hundreds and hundreds of documents. And allegedly, this this group of uh, this. Group of 12 individuals still carries over into today, and it still answers only to the president. And it's this group that allegedly heads this this mysterious MIB force, and you know that the the legend has gone on and turned in, into some mysterious thing at this point in time. And I'm of the opinion that yes, maybe at one point in time this MJ- MJ12 was a legitimate group of individuals, but it was more or less. Uh, uh, a one time ordeal or a one time committee type of scenario in which, you know, President Eisenhower said, look, let's all sit down, mm-hmm. look at this, we'll call it, call it MJ12, code name it MJ12. This is a secret meeting we're going to have to discuss the issue, a one time deal, that was it, poof, it was said and done. And, you know, somebody got hold of these documents, discovered it, and turned it into this big to do. And I think really that's the bottom line as to, as to what MJ12 is all about. To uh, get back to what you were talking about earlier, Rob, I think that, yes, there was some legitimacy to the early documents, but I think over time it's it's been fake so much now that 90% of what's out there is just pure garbage. Mm. And uh, Stan Friedman was called out by Phil Class on the issue to, was just going to ask you whether about or that, not yeah. those documents were fake uh, at one point in time because he was uh, Phil Class challenged him, offered $100 per copy if uh, Stan Friedman can actually produce, uh, he, said, he said that the most documents of that error were typed in elite format or elite font and mm-hmm. on typewriters, and uh, he offered Stan Friedman hundred dollars for every example of any document that he could produce uh, in pica font from that error because some of the documents, the alleged uh, MJ-12 documents, were actually typed in PICA font. And he said that was proof that they were fake. Well, what Stan Friedman did was go back to other government documents from that era and produce examples. And uh, Phil Klaus ended up uh, paying him, I think, about uh, (laughs) $1,000, because he he was paying him by the page. Right. (laughs) $100 per page. Good thing he didn't
1: say $100 per letter.
4: Right, it was $100 per page. My gosh. So, you know, he was he was still pulling pulling out the pages, and Klaus said, okay, I, 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 I give up, you win. You know, <laughs> I was wrong. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's hard to prove that these things are real or fake, and, they're, it you know, it's one of those catch-22s. But uh, the only way you can really track some of these down and find out if they are is to, is to kind of look at them and see, because most of these are all blacked out anyway. The only yeah. way is to find a line or a date, for instance, uh there's uh, some of the, one of the earlier documents that refers to President Eisenhower being in a meeting at a certain time with a certain individual you go back and look at President Eisenhower's date book uh, where he, you know it shows he was actually in that location at that meeting with that individual at a meeting with that individual you know you, that, that's kind of how you could verify some of these that's documents it. and some of them pan out and some of them don't so you've got a mix and match of, of real versus fake with these documents. So it really, makes it really hard to, to weed out the good from the bad. And most of them are bogus. But uh, I think there are a few legitimate documents. And I think it's, like I said, just uh, a one-time ordeal.
1: You know, Ed, there's always the question that comes up. Uh, you know, if UFOs are real, why don't they just land on the White House lawn? How do you typically address this question?
4: Oh, I love that question. Well, I think they probably came close. And anybody can go to my MySpace page and see for themselves because the video is still up there, and that has to do with the battle over L.A. and um, not the battle over L.A. I'm sorry, the uh, incident over uh, in 1952 over the White House, mm-hmm. and or, excuse me, not the White House, the Capitol building, um, in which it occurred on two consecutive weekends in July of 1952. Uh, several objects buzzed the Capitol building. These uh, were seen on radar uh, and traced. They were even reported in Project... Uh, Captain Ruppelt, uh, who was working with uh, Project Blue Book at the time, was actually sent out. He wasn't allowed to pursue it because it was sent off and uh, they didn't even really follow up with the issue. But uh, Eisenhower actually commented on uh, the issue because it was such a big deal uh, seen by hundreds of witnesses, it was traced by radar, both mm-hmm. civilian and military. And the official explanation was false radar blips. Uh, people, it was birds, it was meteors, and you can clearly see in videos, which are all over. Like I said, you can see them on the internet, you can see them anywhere anybody wants to. They're on my website, on my MySpace page. Uh, they're still still out there. They still exist. That this is this is a, a formation of something flying directly over the capitol building two consecutive weekends and uh they certainly weren't birds unless they were uh, fluorescent birds flying around at night glowing in the dark and i don't know of any birds that glow in the dark
1: what time of year was this
4: uh it was in july so it was in uh the
1: summer wow so there'd be enough people outside to actually see what was going on
4: even back then it was a no-fly zone Hmm. you know you you don't just have a whole formation of, of uh unannounced visitors flying over the Capitol building, the U.S. Capitol.
1: Now, with the majority of cases that were investigated by Project Blue Book having been explained as natural or man-made craft, are there any cases that they could not explain why?
4: Yes. Interestingly enough, they have still tried to this day. Many people have come forward and tried to explain it away, but it's by a very credible witness. And uh, it's the Lonnie, the Lonnie Zamora case. And Lonnie Zamora was actually a uh, a police officer out in California. He saw an object that landed, and uh, two uh, entities or humans or whatever it was he saw um, get out in, uh, I guess you'd call them, aluminum-colored suits. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, I say that because they've often been described by some, or tried to be explained away as uh, testing the lunar lander. Uh, this type of craft, what has been explained, is that's one of the explanations. However, uh, the reason I say that uh, it hasn't been explained away is because Major Hector Quintanilla, Jr., the director of Project Blue Book, uh, actually got involved, took a personal interest in Lani Zamora's case. And while Hector uh, Quintanilla was a very prominent debunker of UFOs, and very pro-Project Blue Book, which was the public uh, debunker's uh, view of UFOs, uh, what he actually... uh, His opinion of the Zamora case was that uh, he believes Lonnie Zamora was telling the outright truth. Uh, And he clearly stated that uh, several times in his uh, official uh, report and summarization on it in Project Blue Book. He himself... Could not explain that case, and he believed that uh, Lottie Zamora was a very rational and uh, credible witness, and that something had occurred that he could not explain. His official diagnosis was on that case was unsolved.
1: Hmm. How about Kexburg?
4: Kexburg, Kexburg is an interesting case. Um, a lot of people uh, tie the whole thing to the writing on the on the bell itself, on the object itself. Is this, this hieroglyphic type uh, writing. I'm not sold on that because it seems to be only one or two witnesses that ever saw it. Uh, the vast majority have, don't even report any, any writing. There doesn't seem to be bodies or anything like that. Most don't even report openings mm-hmm. on the object. Uh, however, there does seem to be some tie-in to... Uh, the Nazi Bell technology. I'm, I'm a big supporter of this earthly technology thing when it comes to Kecksburg mm-hmm. because we brought over some Nazi scientists during Project uh, Paperclip, yep. which would tie in, one in particular, would tie into a device known as the repulsing Engine. very much fits the time frame uh, for the Kecksburg incident. There was a similar object seen at Wright Field, Ohio. Our Wright-Patterson Air Force Base in Ohio shortly after that crash. However, in 2003, despite the government having said, U.S. government having said that we were never on the scene, we never recovered anything from Texberg, thanks to Freedom of Information Act, uh, NASA, believe it or not of all places, Freedom of Information Act request turned up the fact that yes, in 2003, NASA said they actually had their hands on some of the debris, and it was a uh, Chinese satellite. But they, NASA actually touched the debris from that object. Wow! Despite the fact that the government said they never went out there, never recovered anything.
1: Well, is it possible that the government was saying that they didn't go out there and de- uh, you know that they didn't uh, recover anything because of national security?
4: Yeah, I'm sure they were because NASA, you know, there it is, Freedom of Information yeah. Act. NASA, of all places, had the proof that that's what it was. I mean, there's the answer right there. NASA, of all places, had it. They came forward and said, oh, yeah, we had it all along. We just couldn't talk about it. (laughs) And it was declassified. There it is, Kexburg. Here's the crash debris material. We had it all along. It was the satellite material from this. So yeah, I believe that's what it was. Like, it was it was that, or yeah, it was earthly technology. I'm convinced one way or the other, it was earthly technology. I don't really think it was anything but earthly technology.
1: How about the evasive men in black? Everybody uh, loves really? to talk about them. Come on, uh, Will Smith. I, you know, I,
4: I, I just I have a I have a big problem. I, I've spoken like I said with Jesse Marcel Jr. and several people. I don't know of anyone who's actually been threatened by these people. Um, I can't say I've never had a run-in. Right I don't. I most. Researchers I know,
2: yeah,
4: and uh, talk with uh, nobody, none. Uh, there are many stories about uh, this one dying of that or this one disappearing. I think it's mostly coincidental. Um, maybe some sick sick individuals, who, you know, the suicides I think are legitimate suicides in mm-hmm. some cases. I mean, let's face it, the, uh, people have problems, yeah, but uh, I didn't know of no one. Who has legitimately been threatened. And only th- maybe one or two cases do I know of anyone even claiming to be threatened. And even in those cases, uh, they're more sensationalized cases. Most well, rational individuals that research and study and, and are public about it have never been threatened once that I know.
1: But don't you, w- wouldn't you agree that sensationalism within the UFO community is causing a lot of skepticism out there?
4: Oh yes, I do, I, and I, I think it, I think it's 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 ridiculous. I think it's it's all part of that. Uh, it's the same type of mentality that feeds into the 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 uh, UFO cult mentality. Well, a, let's a, talk about UFO fantastic.
1: cults when I come back from this commu- uh, this commercial break. Okay. Stand by, Ed. Ed Kraft is our very special guest, and Ed and I will be back on the other side of this commercial break as the X continues. We're right here, live and around the world from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. On the Talk Star Radio Network. Don't go away, gang. We'll be back after this break. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. If you've ever wondered about past lives or even life between lives, and you think the whole idea is a little strange, you're not alone. Dr. Georgina Cannon, author of the books Return, Past Life Regression, and You, and her latest book, Discovering the Interlife, writes her books to remove the woo-woo from these regression protocols and to show the therapeutic benefit and opportunities that happen with these journeys. Discovering the Interlife is the one book you'll need as you continue on your life journey. As Shirley McLean said about the book, This is a very, very powerful work. So be kind to yourself and find out more about discovering the interlife at www.lifebetweenlivescanada.com. That's www.lifebetweenlivescanada.com. You'll be glad you did. To contact Dr. Georgina Cannon at the Ontario Hypnosis Centre in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, visit www.ontariohypnosiscentre.com. What's
3: new What's the cat? The cat is finally out of the bag. Secrets of Cat Attitude Revealed. This is the no-copycat book that gives you the X-factor in personable insight and experience to understanding cat behavior and solving problems from the cat's point of view. Learn the Secrets of Cat Attitude Revealed by Carolyn Bartz. That will take the relationship with your cat up a notch and to the next level. Discover why cat owners live longer, healthier lives. Medical facts revealed and why your cat can't help it. Digital photos to guide you in cat care. Safety tips historical and myth gems, and a fun, enlightening quiz. The perfect gift for smart cat owners and cat lovers. If you love your cat, take the journey now. Don't wait.
1: To order your copy of Secrets of Cat Attitude Revealed, visit www.secretsofcatattituderevealed.com. Secrets of Cat Attitude Revealed. The perfect gift. Ed Kraft is our special guest this hour. First of all, Ed, before we get on uh, any further, I'd like to thank you very much for coming on the show. And uh, you know, it's the UFO and the UFO phenomenon. I, I I think that it has to be settled one way or the other. I agree. You know, it's uh, it's one of those things where you've got you've got a lot of theories, you've got a lot of stories, but no hardcore evidence.
4: Exactly, and and. and... That's the problem I have with, with, this, with, with the with the the groups that are out there. Is you mm-hmm. have the uh, you have two groups. You have the believers, and you have the debunkers.
2: Mm-hmm. And
4: I'm of the school that this, you know you should. Uh, as a researcher, I prefer to have a, 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 a hypothesis. Okay, I'm, I don't believe, sure. and I don't debunk. You know, I like to form a hypothesis. As a researcher and a scientist, that's the way I think it should be. You know, you set out, you form a hypothesis, and you try to find evidence to either support or mm-hmm. disprove it.
2: Yeah. Either
4: way, that's the rational thing to do, and that way you reach a truth, one way or the other. Whereas what we have today is, is you have the believers who set out to find out proof that, yes, these things are ET, they're going to land on the White House lawn, and that's the end of the story. They're going to save the planet. Or you have the debunkers who say, "Look, it's all complete bunk, and there is nothing to it. You know, get on with your lives, people. You know, put away your aluminum foil hats and stop riding the ET train."
1: Mm-hmm.
4: And that's that's the two schools that are out there. And I think the truth lies in the middle
1: somewhere. Exactly.
4: And we we've, we've got to find. That's what we need to do yeah. is stop. You know, taking a side get to the rationale and and start putting together the evidence and and using our brains instead of trying to to play you know one side or the other let's let's put our heads together and, and get to the bottom of this thing once and for all
1: and what about uh... people like billy meyer
4: oh, billy meyer billy meyer's an interesting gentleman uh... some excellent ufo footage in, in, in films uh... And, and pictures uh, back in the day mm-hmm. I noticed as time has progressed he's uh, become a little laxed in his uh, photography work I will say that um, I've compared some of his footage to some footage I've seen in other areas, for instance uh, one of my martial arts teachers I noticed uh, you know, he had this chain link weapon that he would swing around and he'd light, it, light the end of it and swing it around to blind the opponents and it had a little weight on the end of it at night, mm-hmm. and this would blind the opponent and, of course, hit him in the head with the uh, weighted chain, and it's it swung around. It made this nice, neat little circle of light around his head uh, in the photograph. Well, I compared that to a picture that Billy Myers has, and he's standing in this ring of light, and he calls it the god, the, you know, this this light force field or whatever that these aliens are putting around him. Well, when I put the picture of the Grandmaster next to my teacher next to Billy Myers in this force field, they're identical.
2: <laughs>
1: they're
4: identical. You know, you, could, you know, aside from you know, one being my teacher and one being yeah. Billy Myers.
1: Bill, I, Ed, I hate to do this. We've just run out of time, but I'd love to have you back on in the future.
4: Oh, it'd be great. It'd be great, Bob.
1: Bill, uh, Bill, yeah. Ed, it's been really nice talking to you. Take care of yourself. And you uh, thanks very much for joining us tonight. Ed Kraft, our very special guest tonight, uh, talking about UFOs. His new book is called UFOs, the Dossier. Dossier. And um, we'll have Ed back on because there's so much more to cover. When I come back from the news at the top of the hour, Ellie Marzulli joins me here in the X-Zone right here on the Talkstar Radio Network. Don't- Great
3: news. For a limited time, you can get one month free of Spectrum Mobile service. That's right. One month free with any new line.